0: Hey, what's up everybody? Marty Griffin here. If we've never met before, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm glad you're listening. This is the golf strategy school podcast. It is really the only podcast out there to help people get over those milestone scores of breaking 90 or breaking 100. If you're still working on that, uh, if you're working on breaking 80, I've got stuff for that too, but you should probably check out our Facebook group for that. Uh, today what we're talking about is something that is brand new to me. And I I say this with all sincerity, I don't get surprised very often when it comes to golf content and golf research. For the most part, it all makes really good sense. And trust me, what I learned in this interview also makes really good sense. I had just never thought of applying these two different practices to each other. So today's interview is with Kyle Aldering, and he is uh, one of the creators of MentalGolfType.com where he teaches you more about how you can improve your mental game based on what type of Myers-Briggs style personality you have. Now I have dealt a lot with Myers-Briggs personality types because my career dealt a lot with adult education and how do we really make sure that we're connecting with people and we're engaging with people. And I had to do a lot of research and have a good understanding of that subject to do that job well. I never in a million years would have thought to apply this to how you learn and handle your mental game on the golf course. Kyle has done a really good job. We go into some some pretty deep uh, areas here on why and and what to do depending on your personality types. Uh, obviously, you can learn more at mentalgolftype.com, which is his website. But I am so excited for you to check out this interview. Again, this is Kyle Aldering, PGA instructor with mentalgolftype.com. Let's get into it. Hey, what's up, Golf Strategy School? I am back here again with another interview. You know, I have like to try and get experts in and help us kind of better understand all the different aspects of our game. So today I am joined by Kyle Alderink. He is uh, a Golf Digest top teacher under 40 and he is a partner for the website Mental Golf Type. And Kyle reached out to me uh, because we're both kind of in that mental game space where, you know, we try and figure out how we can make this more relatable to the kind of every person, the weekend golfer, because I think for a lot of folks, when it comes down to mental game, it's like, oh, that's just something the pros are born with. Absolutely not. Holy smokes. This can be practiced. This can be improved. You can learn it. So Kyle, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. How are you doing?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me. And I got to say, I'm, I'm impressed. You're Probably the only person in the history that's got my name right the first time. So, <laughs> well, well done.
0: I I will take that as a badge of honor. I absolutely didn't Google <laughs> it at all. <laughs>
1: you'd be, I mean, I, I I don't think you'd be shocked to know that. I mean, pretty much everybody calls me Keel to start. So, um, you know, I've learned to respond to both. But yeah, no, it's great to be here. I appreciate it, and you know, it's cool to to talk with you because I know we do share a lot of the same values and things. So um, this will be a fun conversation.
0: Yeah. And so kind of on that topic, you know, you reached out because you wanted to, to talk about the mental game. Obviously, that is a, a very, very wide subject. It can be at least. Uh, where do you feel that you kind of came to find your, I don't want to say like respect for the mental game, but your, your kind of superpower of teaching the mental game?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, great question. And it, it was a journey. Um, You know, like everybody, I knew nothing but technique. You know, when I started coaching, that's all I knew. I mean, I associated good swings with playing. I mean, when I played, that's what it was. I worked on my swing and everything score related was all due to swing. I mean, even when I was missing, you know, five foot putts for birdie, I was like, I got to hit it closer. I mean, that was my (laughs) mindset. So um, you know, I got into coaching and that's essentially, again, what I knew. And I kind of geeked out on it. I was studying swings. I was watching hours and hours of swings on YouTube, um, you know, studying what's the magic here, what's the positions, you know, I was looking at it in that route. And I felt like um, I got really, really good at teaching swings and making him look a certain way and teaching cause and effect. Um, but I still had this like gut feeling that like people just weren't playing as well as they could. And, and I started making it a point to go, like, I got to watch this in action to see what's really going on out there. And I mean, I've had mentors and people tell me to do that all the time. And everybody says it like, you need to go watch students. But people say, but don't do it. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I got to make a point to actually, because it's hard to do as a young coach. You know, you got the option to fill your lesson book and make money or you take the day, don't make money and you go watch players. Uh, that's all, I mean, it's not an easy decision as you're just building up your business. But I was like, I got to do this because I got to see what's going on. Um, And I started seeing things and attitudes and behaviors and situations that I just kind of realized it's like, I just never prepared these players for this. Um, I never prepared them to handle adversity and just all the things that come with that game and seeing the negativity, the bad reactions. So I started getting my hands on everything sports psychology, mental game related, and it all spoke to me. You know, a lot of these things like spoke to me. I was like, that's the answer. You know, this is the answer. I need to teach everybody to, um, you know, just, you know, be positive and to, um, you know, just react to targets and things that are really into everything. And then the other revelation I started to have was that was only working for a small piece of the population. I was like, why are some players not doing well with this? You know, when I get them away from some things and I get them away from, like, I didn't want people lining the ball up. I thought that was making too restricted because that's what I did. Right. I was like, I just think you can make a freer stroke and react to the target better if you weren't lying ball up. Well, that hurt a lot of people, unfortunately. So uh, long story short, I came across, uh, I was really fortunate to uh, have Mike Bender introduce me to my now partner, this John Weir. And, you know, when John started to break some of these findings he had with personality type and all the work he was doing, even before he got into golf and how he started to apply this and the things where he was finding with it, was just fascinating to me and how personality type really played into, you know, how people see targets, how they communicate and essentially what stresses a person is not the same as the next person. So everybody has unique ways they internalize things and it becomes almost spooky how predictable it is. So I started to put these things test cause I'm a skeptic by nature. I'm like, well, I got to test this out. This doesn't, cause a lot of it was very contradictory to what I was going so hard into. Um, so I started testing everything with focus band. He's just like, just, I mean, he was promoting to test it with focus band, prove me wrong. He's like, I've been trying to debunk this. And I was like, okay. You know, so, you know, we started having conversation after conversation and um, what I started to find and how predictable things were becoming, were becoming was, um, was crazy based on, again, people's personality types, you know, um, seeing people perform really, really well with actually going totally against what modern sports psychology teaches and taking target out. I mean, there's times I would stand in front of players and I even let them look at the target and they would just flush it huh. versus, you know, there's times where I don't let players look at the target and just be like, Hey, think about like your takeaway. They can't hit it on the face. Right. Um, so I know that was kind of a long answer to that question, but I mean, it's, uh, the journey that I've been on with that and what I've been fortunate to come across is, um, is, is just still kind of mind blowing to me. And that's, that's the reason why I reach out to people like you to have these conversations because it's something that I just feel like the golf world really needs to hear.
0: Yeah. And like, so I've been a, a big proponent of the mental game for a long time, again, kind of born out of my own experience. Like when I was playing junior events and playing in high school and college, I just eat, sleep, breathe golf. That was everything. And then real life sets in and then you have a day job and then you have kids and you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'm used to playing to this level. How do I keep that up? And for me, it was learning how to practice to sharpen my mental game and once I started kind of experimenting with that, it unlocked a whole new level for me. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't like, hey, I'm now shooting in the red every single time. It was, hey, I can practice once a week now, but I still shoot like 76. So I'm very, very happy with that. Yeah. So, we, you know, you mentioned personality types. This is something that that I haven't in, until our you know chat before I hit record here, I hadn't heard anything about that so can you dive a little deeper on you know what you mean by personality types and maybe give a couple examples
1: yeah um I could. yeah absolutely so you know there's really i mean to start personality types have been around forever i mean just even in the myers-briggs i mean i think there's that's just what i was gonna ask <laughs> of, yeah i mean essentially you know we're, we're based now of what, what john's figured out is how this actually applies to performance you know and a lot of times i was always offered you know, personality assessments I know there's disc profiles, there's a bunch of different True things out there, but it's like, yeah, how do you apply this? Like, what is, what do I do with that information? And we even talked to some Academy people and they're like, be honest, we get these things and it's more of like, Hey, we do personality type, but we just kind of stack them in a drawer. We don't know what to do with it. Um, so what, you know, we've really cracked code in is how these facets of our personality um either put you into an optimal state of mind, kind of using what we call your natural hardwiring or put you into a stress mode of thinking. So to give you an example, there's, there's four facets that really um, play a role and that's your, we'll call energy source, which is extrovert introvert. Yep. There's our perception and focus, which would be sensing or in- intuition. There's our uh, evaluation. So essentially decision-making, that would be your thinker or feeler. And then there's, um, whether judge or perceivers, your structure, you know, how you like to structure practices, how you manage the golf course, you know, how you set up your day type thing. Um, I'll give you a really quick one, you know, like extrovert introvert is crazy powerful, how this plays into performance. Um, and the thing is, is it gets kind of mixed up a lot. Like introvert does not just mean you're quiet, like introverts right. mostly talk quite a bit. It's just essentially how they organize thoughts. Like introverts organize things and they calculate things a lot better internally mm-hmm. where extroverts do that more externally. Yep. But it's also an energy source. So introverts could be out talking all day. You know, you would you would think they may be extroverts, but then they're like, I just need a minute to chill, you know, to re- regroup oh, yeah. and, re- you know, get their battery back up. Where me, as you can probably see now as an extrovert, like the more I get going, the more my hands are flying, the more energized yep. I get, which is- Same here. Why I, yeah, <laughs> which is why I've been able to, to stand on, you know, golf courses for 10, 11 hours a day and coach and not think twice about it. But when I get home and sit down and, you know, just chill and I'm like,
0: yep. <laughs> um,
1: but on the same thing though. So like, you know, to give you a good example. So I was doing this, I had this little, just for fun, YouTube series that started shooting called quest to be the best. And I started it with a symmetric tour girl who's trying to really make it up to the LPGA and she's an extrovert. And the point was to show some of these things and how we train. And I just asked her, I said, like, I want you to hit three shots where you can't say a word, can't react to a shot. You can't talk about your shot on the driving range.
0: I feel like I would have handcuffs on if you told that to me. (laughs) Oh, and I'm
1: telling you, like, and it was by the third shot. I mean, she couldn't hit it. Like she, I think, hit a foot behind the ball. I asked her how she felt. She just exploded. Like, I just feel like But that's the thing, though, is like extroverts. Now think about this. When you get on the golf course and you get stressed or you get upset, we get internal. So mm-hmm. we're doing that to ourselves. And that becomes kind of what we'll call our stress mode of thinking. So we're going against our natural. Um, I had a, one of my oh. guys who played corn Ferry last year. And I just I caddied for him in a Monday qualifier. He was out here for me. I said, our only goal, and by the way, he was hitting it terrible on track, man, which I'll explain to you in a little bit. But he was hitting it so bad on, in practice the day before. When well, We go out there and I said, all I want you to do is just talk, talk out your shot, where you see it starting, where you see it going nine birdies, one bogey. And the bogey was just dumb. It was, I mean, just barely missed the green, hit to a bare live bunker, and just, like, no chance to get it up and down on the short side. But nine birdies, one bogey, I mean, it was flawless. And that's wow. all, that was the only thing I just said. I want you to physically, like, I want to see your lips moving before you hit the shot. Start it here and draw it. I have the same story with a 13-year-old girl qualified for the um us junior girls this year at caddy for her I just said the same thing she's an extrovert. She's like just just same thing just tell me i want to just hear you vocalize this is where it's going to start this is where it's going to go um on the flip side of that i have a college player who's an introvert and when covid started the teams had to play together i don't know if you know that whole story but they Mm-mm. had to play in like a fivesome with their own team. So they weren't mixing. Oh, up sure. Schools. Yep. Yep. Um, so the coaches in the group, the whole team's in the group. So this kid's an introvert. He's the really like peaceful introvert. Like just let me do my own thing. It's peaceful world. And you know, the coach was every shot, making him talk it out. Let's talk about the details. Um, and this is somebody who was averaging 73.7, I think at the time and shot like an 85 or 86, I think it was. Wow. And they got in like a verbal beef because he just exploded so when he gets stressed and gets upset he's lashing out like it's the opposite tiger woods is a good example as an introvert you'd see him lash out when he's stressed so you know finally they get into a heated battle coach lee just doesn't say a word to him the next day and he shot at 67 (laughs) so it's like that i mean that one to me is like the one i just get so like still to this day i'm like the, the what it's like a power almost but it's so predictable. Again, when you see an extrovert, the first thing they do is they pull and they get internally get pretty negative about themselves. So learning to stay vocal, learning to, you know, just how to chat, how to talk, how to hum songs and just things like that. And then the yeah. other four hours of golf that we're not actually executing a shot, how we're operating, those things matter too. But also how we're, you know, going through these shots on the golf course.
0: That's awesome. So like I, I know for Myers-Briggs, I'm ESTJ. My, my wife tells me that I'm a trained extrovert because she was a theater major and I used to be kind of like to myself, but it's not like you were saying introvert extrovert isn't like, Oh, I like to talk or, Oh, I'm a quiet person. It's where do you draw energy from or what drains energy from you? And anytime that I was like with my clique of friends, I would be going a mile a minute and I would have all this energy and it's funny you say that, you know, you had your, your student actually just like verbalize their visualization process because that's exactly how I teach it because it's, what's worked for me. You know, I actually have to talk it out and I tell people like on the first tee, if they've never played with me, I'm like, you're probably going to hear me talking to myself. I'm like, I'm just a chatterbox. It's my, my visualization process. You can completely ignore me. If I really am talking to you, I have no problem being like, Hey, Hey buddy. Yeah. Now, like you're in my way, scoot over. But, uh, it's yeah, it's really cool how, yeah, and and I can definitely see as an extrovert and who you know, I like I'm someone who has done a lot of the disk profiles and stuff like that. Uh, I can absolutely see how having an introverted player asking them to visualize and bring it forward would definitely just mess with their chi and just kind of. <laughs> you know, put them in that uncomfortable space. And it's a very slippery slope. Like once you get in that uncomfortable space, it's really hard to get, you know, that traction back to where you're comfortable. So yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting thought. I, And this is exactly why I do the interviews. I'm learning something. I can bring it forward and, and tweak my education process as well. So, wow. So like with, uh, I guess, kind of sticking with the Myers-Briggs, you know, introvert, extrovert, to me, that would be like that, that first step, that first identifier, like, okay, this is going to kind of lead us down a path that has, you know, multiple more forks in the road. Uh, is that basically kind of how it works? You, you assess the introvert, extrovert first, because that's kind of the energy source. And then you build from there.
1: Well, we do the, we do an entire assessment on our website. I mean, we have a free assessment on there. Um, and you know, so somebody can go through that, they can get their four letters and, you know, I, we have a verification process on there, which is important too. I mean, to be truthful, the only reason, uh, personality tests get bad, um, rap, I guess, is because people don't answer them honestly. Yes. They answer them how they, they answer them how they think they should or yep. how they've been trained to do things. And that's one thing is we've, we've found through our process, because we do a kind of a golf version and then a life verification. We find yes ninety percent of people are doing ninety four percent I think we're at is um, people are testing against what their natural hardware is because they've been taught to do things a certain way I mean everybody uh, going to like the final one the judger I mean everybody tests of course I'm organized and scheduled and yeah. I'm punctual but like you know, some percent of the population, I think is, is not, it's organized chaos. They're all over the place. Yeah. You had to email me is. like
0: four times just to get this <laughs> interview scheduled. I'm just like, yeah, I'm sorry. My head's in a thousand places, Right,
1: <laughs> but it's, it, and it's okay. Right. And one thing we get asked all the time, is there a better type? And no, it's just knowing who you are to tap into it. Um, just one, one little side note on the expert introvert. I mean, you know, the other thing that gets mixed up a lot is people, you know, there's shyness. Like, so mm-hmm. extroverts that don't like to always be vocal, they might just be shy, but right. like you said, they're, they're gaining energy or whatever. So it's, you know, the, the fun is kind of helping people understand, like, this is actually who you are and this is what we want to tap into. I mean, I always tell people, especially if I'm just working mental golf type with well, them with pros or something like that. I'm like, I'm never going to ask you to do anything different. All I'm trying to do is help you with the self-discovery process of what you do super well. And let's just put, let's define it. That's, that's all that it is. And what you said earlier with mental game just only being for the elite is a huge fallacy, um, right? I mean, this, this works wonders, and there's so many amateur players that are, um, you know, just digging themselves into the dirt trying to do things that just aren't don't fit them or they mm-hmm. just can't do. You know, whether right. it's changing your swing or how you're trying to change your yeah. swing with the time, realistic expectations, right? Yeah, somebody asked me that in an interview the other day. They said, "What's what's the hardest thing to get?" amateurs to do it. i said have realistic expectations yeah i mean not expect their seven
0: iron to go 190 yards yeah
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely
0: so when we like when we get into this this process because i want to go down this personality type rabbit hole a little bit more once the assessment and and the conversation has been had because i imagine there is quite a bit of conversation kind of in around and surrounding it about like, Hey, like, like you said, honesty here is the most important part. you like, you you mentioned what's the best kind. The honest kind is the best kind because if you're not honest with yourself and I, I will a thousand percent cop to that. Like I had to do this with work once and I'm like, Oh, well, you know, I'm giving you all the answers that I think you want to hear because you're paying me. And then I, like, I looked at it. I'm like, this isn't, like this isn't me like this is at home me this is not at work me and then I went through it again and I I did the process that way and I'm like yeah that's you know and obviously this isn't golf but it's led to a lot more efficacy in the the job that I have and a lot more enjoyment out of it because you know I was honest with myself like I don't like to do paperwork I am an extrovert. I like to talk to people like I'm the person that you want in the scrum meeting, running things and, you know, keeping everybody on track. Like that's my superpower. But uh, on the golf course, I find that it's because for so long for me, I kind of viewed golf as work because I wanted to be the Sunday pro, you know, back when I was 14, 15 years old. And so I, I view that a lot as work. And I think I've, I've carried a lot of my Tendencies probably from golf to work rather than vice versa, but I use that profile that I did for work on the golf course, uh, and if I kind of think through it the way that you're mentioning, yeah, it lines up a thousand percent. You know, there's there's things that I'm that I do on the golf course that if I think about how that is in the workplace, yeah, that that makes a thousand percent sense. So uh, when we Well, I guess I'll kind of kick it back to you here, Kyle. You said, you know, the the introvert extrovert is is a big thing, but, um, and not, not that I'm asking you to reveal the entire secret sauce here, but like, what is, you know, what is that next step?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's just kind of going through and the fun part is just the self-discovery experience when you, when we go through this with players. So for example, like you said, you're an ESTP or ESTJ. ESTJ, ESTJ. So, you know, like if you are coming to me, like the first things I'm going to tackle is the, the E and the S because sensing essentially is our perception and focus. And this is, this is wildly important in golf because people get taught to do certain things. So you more than likely, if you are a true S or good with an intermediate target, you're good with lines on the ball. You're good with probably hitting the ball straight. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that all stuff? Kind of yeah uh
0: yeah i always like when i'm lining up putts i always line up the the words the you know the pro v1 you know and that's on my start line Um, uh, in terms of like shot shape i've always hit a draw but for the longest time it was drilled into me on like you need to hit straight shots well you don't necessarily need to hit straight shots you need to hit consistent shots mm-hmm. but yeah yeah like that's the large majority of that lines up
1: and when you play your best i mean do you typically have some swing thought or something you're focusing on that way?
0: Um, when I play my best, I'm putting really, really well. And so it's, it's not usually uh, as much of like a swing thought as it is, as, uh, like, let's just get on the green because the flat stick's hot.
1: <laughs> but like, so when you're, when you're putting well, you know, what's your focus on?
0: Um, pace.
1: How so? Like,
0: how do you feel like you control that? So I do like my last practice before I play is always a six foot putting ladder. So, you know, I I set up putts at six foot intervals and I have to get them within a certain constraint equal to, or just beyond the hole. Otherwise I have to start the whole ladder over. Uh, So for me, the pace is usually uh, it, it probably boils more down to like my breathing and my shoulder rock. Is what I'm thinking about.
1: Yeah. So we call that as a task. So sensors um, are wired to think in a linear fashion. So like almost like an instruction manual. So if Mm -hmm. I do step one, that'll equal step two. It ultimately equal my end goal. Yep. You know, intuitives work all like completely backwards. They work from the end goal back. So like me, I'm an intuitive person. So my mind always starts with, where do I see? What's my vision? And then I figure out how to create it. So intuitives are going to be like your Bubba Watson and your Dustin Johnson, speculatively, mm-hmm. just how they operate. But they are always kind of focusing on the target. They're seeing shot shapes. You know, Dustin Johnson talks about fading. He says, I aim left to fade it. Yeah. Where now you look at like a Xander Shoffley. It was a really good example. Like he's focusing on his takeaway, rehearses it every time. I mean, he's over the ball for 10 seconds almost every single time, and he looks at the target for about a second of that. His eyes are always down you can tell he's always focusing on something he's doing to create the shot, which goes hundred percent against sports psychology. Right. So we call it, we call that a player side focus um, is, is, you know, getting not a hundred percent off the target, but basically getting your start line, having maybe an intermediate target. It's like, okay, if I rock my shoulders, it'll roll online, then it'll go in.
0: So mm-hmm. that
1: level of thinking like gives you a sense of control and like an optimal feel putters hot. I know if I rock my shoulders, it goes over my line, it goes in. Yep. For me, it's like balls going in here, put over spin on it. You know, essentially that's it. It's like a different, different (laughs) holistic way of doing it. But if I get into rocking my shoulders or what my stroke's doing or any anything of that sense, like I will miss putts to the cows come home. I can't do it. Same thing, it's the same thing my swing. Like
0: would it make sense then? Because I've got like my process like inside of six feet, we're just you know, we're just trying to make the putt, but like eight feet to like 15 feet. I break it into two putts. Yeah. Outside of 15 feet, I'm probably breaking it into three or four, depending on the distance. And I'm looking at each individual segment. The first segment is going to go from here to here. Then, you know, if the break is correct, it's going to go from there to there, and then it's going to keep drifting. And so does that, does that kind of line up with what you're thinking based on my S?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's parts and pieces is a good way to, good way to put it. So it's like a, a chunking type thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, and and putting the pieces together, uh, which is why, again, sensors like uh, Justin Thomas, Justin Rose, uh, Xander Shoffley, you always see them kind of rehearse that piece of their swing. They're always rehearsing a specific task or a specific move where, again, like your intuitives are just getting up there and swinging based on a feel of of what the shot's going to do type thing. So ball's going to hit a high fade. This is what high fade feels like. And then go. So it's working kind of backwards. Where sure. sensors work from the beginning forward. So me, like when I see a putt, I see a humongous road, like huge. And that's what brings intuitives comfort. So, like aim small, miss small is really to kiss of the death for an intuitive player.
0: Uh, <laughs> that's exactly you know what, what I mean? think. I get hyper specific, like blade of grass level targeting with mine. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there's there's players when I when I was able to help them get out of that, they were like, Oh my gosh, like I just feel so freed up, like I can finally just swing. I always felt so constricted and like, is my aim right? And they get so into that when they get into that player side, is my grip right? Everything gets uncomfortable. Cause our minds aren't wired to process information like that. An intuitive mind works more off of a vision or a picture sure. where again, a sensor's mind is more of that kind of step-by-step step. like that stuff all makes a lot of sense. Um. So again, it's two different ways, but again, see like that intuitive stuff all spoke to me and I started doing really well with it. So I started teaching everybody that, but when I got people into bigger zones mm-hmm. and you know, shapes and stuff like that and feels like, that started to not work well. Like, I would have taken you if I before I do all this stuff, and I'd be like, Man, you got to stop focusing on something so small. Let's open that up and free this up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and I would use the example of like throwing a ball to somebody. Like, if you just throw a ball at me or throw it to me, like that's pretty easy. Or when I, when I pitched, and the catcher was always like, It's just like we're playing catch instead of focusing on a little piece of the glove, I focused on the whole shape of the thing. So that stuff always resonated with me and i feel like again i got a big fairway a little downwind i can go up there and rip it like that's my most accurate i'll be the most accurate all day with bigger bigger targets hmm. um, where big targets for a sensor typically stresses them out and again i have some very interesting videos on our websites of me taking two different styles, styles of players through this stuff you know an intuitive hitting through a big zone versus a sensor and vice versa and you can see immediate flips which is crazy because everybody asks if it's staged. And I am like, I promise you it's not. And right. I even asked the players, like, this isn't staged, right? I mean, literally asking a player to do one thing, hey, I want you to aim at this small piece and think about something you're swing. they can't hit it. And then flip, like, all right, let's get your eyes up the target, focus in your shape, boom. And then with the different player, that exact opposite effect happens. So, like I said, I started putting this all on videotape because I was like, I want to really like study this, you know. Right. And, Um, you know, and I've been able to study this with John for a long time before I really started pushing him to like, Hey man, the golf world needs to see this stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless if we partner or not, like I will help you get it out. However, because it is, it's crazy what I was finding. Um, because this is, I mean, like I said, some of this can be contradictory to what's out there in the norm, but what kept showing up just kept resonating. it was validating with the focus band too, and to see different people light up in the green. Uh, different ways was just I mean, like I said, I had to video it because I was like, I need evidence of this. Yeah, I want to review it and make sure nothing is like out of the norm. So I mean, I was spending a good two years of doing this, these kind of things, uh, testing and evaluating before I really just went, was like, John, we gotta, we gotta go all in on this.
0: That's awesome. Well, and I know you said that you've seen and you mentioned the example of uh, you know nine nine birds and a bogey or eight birds and a bogey. Like once you are able to, to find that, that fit with the student, obviously we're different players are going to have different levels of experience. You know, not everybody's going to just snap and have like a fantastic round like that, but what do you find? And I have my thoughts on this, but I'm, I'm going to wait for you. What do you find are the keys to getting the most out of, this type of training
1: to get them? I'm sorry. It's, it's quite out there. very Getting the most out of what
0: to, to getting the most out of, out of this like personality type training and assessment.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just commitment, you know, and I mean, getting people to understand it and to really buy in. So one of the challenges is um, we'll call it player envy is a word I use a lot is, sure. you know, people see players doing well, doing certain things. Um, yep. and it's hard to, to maybe say, Hey, you're not wired to do that, but because some players do it. So for example, track man, um, is not good for some people. And that's why there's a lot of debate out in the world. Like you got some half, like a lot of coaches saying, Oh, they should just be out there, you know, get it off a of track band. And you got other people who are all wired up. Well, some, some people that's good for, and some it's not, I mean, it, all this stuff works because it's out there for a reason, but it's like, who does it tailor to? So, right. like, if you try to – for a kid, for example, and they see all these players with track bands and things like that, but they're not quite wired to do that, um, you know, that's uh, sometimes that can be hard, especially convincing the parents. Like, look, I mean, it's, it's an okay thing to check every now and again check the spin and the yardages, and there's good uses for it if, mm-hmm. you're, if you're careful. But if you get really into, you know, questioning your path and angle of attack constantly, like, you know, that's not good. I mean, I had a kid that just – getting all frustrated on it because her path was four degrees into out, but she likes to hit a draw. I'm like, why does this even make sense? You're getting stressed <laughs> out. This is like the numbers you want, yeah. but you're getting Doing stressed what out you want to do. It's not zero, right? I mean, people have been conditioned. I got to be zeroed out. Um, so that's, that's more of the challenge I'll say, but like the, you know, the, the great thing is when people start to understand it and they really just kind of do what they're tailored to do, they feel an immediate sense of calm. And that's one yeah. thing. So to give you an example of, of just using personality, everybody's done it at some point because everybody has that breakout round by accident. Yep. I mean, I had some rounds when I was a player that I just went lights out one day for no good reason. But I remember thinking to myself, anybody I've ever talked to that's done this always says that felt so easy. Mm-hmm. Right. It always feels so easy. Why can't I do that all the time? Um, and now with what I know, I can go back and I remember vividly what I was doing. I was just, and my, the way I phrase it, I was being an athlete hitting shots. I was flighting them. I was fading them, drawing them. Everything had a uh, intention. I wasn't going out there with a stock. And that's when I always played my best Is I step up to every shot with, you know, a vision and then, and hit it in terms of like an athlete, you know? And again, not everybody's wired to do that. In fact, 75% of the population speculatively is not wired to do that which is why we don't see a lot of Bubba Watsons. Right. You know, we don't, I mean, you see a lot more of the ESs in, in golf of, you know, the more of the guys that are focused on the takeaway or the gals, whatever uh, that can do really well with that style stuff. But so again, I mean, again, sorry for rambling, but um, <laughs> no, that's you know, good information. That's, that's, it's really, the, it's really the thing is it's, are you going to, buy into the fact that like you're different everybody's different but that's again why these conversations are are important in my view is the more people are educated to that um the more it's going to help them find their best path of doing things and like i said it's not about doing anything different it's just about organizing the things that you're doing and, and avoiding a long search And right. essentially i was on i was on that long search as a youngster you know <laughs> Same, here. Um, and I, yeah, and, and most people are, and sometimes you know you can learn some valuable lessons through that. But for me, it felt like as a player, it set me back a long ways, um, just because the things I was chasing just just were not good for me.
0: Yeah, I I really like that idea of of commitment, and what I was going to say is kind of honesty, and to me, honesty and commitment really go hand in hand, because sure. yeah, you know, if you're if you're truly buying into something, you are going to be your you know, your vulnerable, honest self during the process. So you can get, you know, kind of as close to that core person as you are. So you can make those adjustments, you know, maybe tweak your, your mentality, your thought process, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess looking at this kind of going forward, obviously you're on your journey to bring this to as many people as possible and really kind of get that, that thought out. And I really appreciate you reaching out again, because this is, I, I never would have even began to thought to bring personality assessments into golf and performance. But now that you mentioned that, I can see that being used in a lot of places, but kind of with, you know, with the mental golf type, what is the plan moving forward?
1: Yeah. I mean, the plan is, um, you know, we're getting it into a lot of different things. We're getting into just some academies, you know, we're in conversations with a couple of big academies um, and just hopefully, you know, spread the word through that. If we have a handful of colleges that are using it and, you know, we're involved in, um, you know, eventually we want to get to the caddy player relationship, because I think that's a huge one with this. And just in my own experience of just getting on students' bags and just being able to just to talk them through this, but, You know, even some of these players, like I'll just kind of talk to the caddy, be like, here's a couple, you know, ways to say things to them that that's important. Right. How does how does help them with targets? Um, You know, again, give an example of a player who had her dad on the bag and, you know, she's somebody who's just kind of like the I just want yardage of wind and then gets a really good calculation from that
0: Mm -hmm. versus
1: the and the the dad is, you know, it's this to carry the bunker you know it's this to the you know basically this to everything give her 10 right. different numbers she's like i'm just tapping my foot in the fairway just be like give me the number dude because all <laughs> the extra information just starts to make her overthink stuff yep so you know having that conversation with her dad just be like hey she really just needs that yardage to win but she just doesn't want to say that to you so you're out there fighting
0: <laughs> right but
1: that that helps her you know it's just hey she just wants yardage and she can make a good Decision off her feel, which is more of that feeling, thinking thing. So, like Grayson mm-hmm. D. Shambo versus um, Dustin Johnson, two different ways of making decisions.
0: Yeah. When when you're working with students, like this, obviously can be very impactful, very quickly. But kind of in a more general concept, how long do you normally find that it takes for people to like truly buy in and accept and start to see? like those peak level results that they're capable of seeing?
1: Uh, well, there's, there's two sides of that. Cause I have my Academy where I'm, you know, training players on swings and things like that. And um, I hope this doesn't sound bad. They, they just don't have a choice because once I know their personality type, I just speak to them like that. I set up right. drills in, in that fashion and things like that, but I still train them on shot process and how to organize that. And again, I mean, for them to buy in is usually pretty quick because I can point out the stuff that they do and help them with that discovery of when you don't play well. So for example, um, Marty, when you're not playing well, I'm assuming your target shifts more out to focus and you get worried about where you can't hit it, you know, where you might miss it, things like that. I mean, that's, that's what a lot of sensors happen. They start getting too worried about where the ball can't go versus what their task is to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of my home course and there's one hole that I just, I absolutely hate is because I play a draw the whole fairway runs right to left and there's a lateral hazard all along the left side and if I play that hole well it's usually from the fairway next door
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, but I mean and that's that's kind of my point is those stressors become predictable so I know where people's thoughts are going when they're when they're not playing well and just helping them train that. But the other thing I do with them is um, I try to use that stuff against them. So if I have a player that I know their stressor is like, don't miss right. And they start worrying about maybe missing to the right, or they're worried about the out of bounds. I'm just saying it to them verbally until they have to learn to stay to what they can do to stay in control. So if somebody's worried about hooking and that's what their underlying stressor is out there. And you know, they have that anticipation of a bad result. I mean, essentially that's triggering stress Mm-hmm. is triggering all these things that are actually breaking the swing down. And I think that's important for people to understand too, is like our swings really don't break down. It's the stress and the cortisol tension levels and things going on that break that down. So it's like how we internalize things on the golf course is really the issue. It's not necessarily a mechanical issue. I mean, if it's mechanics, like you just, you will hit it pretty bad on the range of no pressure is the way I say it. Right. If you can hit it well in range, well in practice with no pressure, that is the stuff you're internalizing on the course that's causing the issue. But that's yeah. different for everybody. You know, that's what I'm saying. You and I are going to have different stressors out there. Like I yep. get too into my own stuff. And I, I can tell you, like, I always start questioning, is my swing out in front of me enough? You know, am I good at the top? Like I get so into my positions. I forget about my shot. My mind just can't process that. So I start hitting it all over the map. And then I go, and I go even more down that road. It's like, Oh gosh, like, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy. Off. Yeah. Right. It is, you know, but like now when I know those things, I can shift and I just got to go back into like, look, start left and fade in. When I keep keep my mind there, like I, my swing reacts to that and I can always do it. But I think start left and fade swings always out in front of me. I know my positions are good and it's, it's just a different way of thinking. Right. Yep. Versus, you know, the person that, is I'm sitting there going, Hey, don't hook this, don't hook this, you know, and that's, they got to stay to like, just their task to make sure they can hit it straight again, Xander shop. If I get the club here, it's going to be pretty mm-hmm. good.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think of, and I, I thought this instantly when I saw John's name, I'm like, Oh, well, Mike Weir was, you know, he would always take that, that club back to first parallel, like two or three times in his practice. And then he'd hit the shot because he wanted to make sure he had that one piece takeaway. Um You mentioned that, you know, you, like if, if someone is kind of getting hung up on what is going wrong or what the stressor is, you, you just mention it. You're not mentioning the stressor itself. Are you, you're mentioning what they should be doing rather than what they're focusing on and kind of that's what's causing them to get in their own head.
1: I mean, both, like if I'm really training somebody to like get mentally tougher, um, and really get their their focus in the right spot like i'm trying to use their stressors against them because i know what they are okay so for example like if i'm with me or like i had a player recently that's wired very like me and was getting really into his own swing i started to be able to shift him off of that and seeing shapes and stuff and hitting a nice little draw and he's like man i just know i can hit that draw it's like, cool and then once he started getting comfortable i said yeah swings looking a little inside there dude and like right away i was like really and then started like freaking out and hitting it <laughs> back again. Okay. And I'm just sitting back here smiling. He's like, hey, you did that on purpose. I was like, yes, because this is what happens when you play poorly. So randomly I'll throw that at him and I'll watch the film sure. spin and they got to work themselves out of it. Um, and I think that's one of the most valuable things with this is to understand. And you can recognize and catch yourself doing these things right away. I mean, again, going back to the beginning, an extrovert getting quiet. I mean, as soon as I know I start getting too quiet, like something's up. Mm-hmm. So it's like just making a point to go across the fairway and start a conversation or do anything to just get you vocalizing again, or just, you know, Hey, I'm going to start this ball, you know, right out there and, and, you know, fade it. And I mean, I encourage you to do this too, because it's almost spooky. Just go talk out your start line and what you're going to do to hit it. And like, it starts going and doing exactly what you said. It's weird.
0: Yeah. That's, that's part of my pre-shot routine already is like, that's my, that is my visualization. So I, I like the think box play box mentality that helps me kind of separate my process. And so when I'm in my think box, I actually say it out loud. I'm like, all right, I want to start this, but I'm also, I'm hyper specific about my start and stops. I'm not like, Oh, I'm going to throw it out. Right. It's going to come back. We're going to call it a day. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go one third into the bunker that's the start line. It's going to come back. It's going to land like just short and, and just onto the green. It should release to like the back third. And, yeah. and that's my every single time process.
1: Well, and that's, that's interesting, right? Cause I mean, you and I are speaking an entirely different language, <laughs> but and, like I mean, we are,
0: yeah, it, it's, I think it's like, it's all English, but it's different accents, you know? So it's like, <laughs> like I've, I've got the, uh, the up North. Oh, Hey there, Wisconsin end of it. And, that's my whole very detailed analytical like process. And you're the, no, don't worry about it. It's, it's good. Y'all <laughs> like just, well, it's, throw it, throw it left you know, and, it's funny to it feel back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, you're an ST and I'm an NF. I mean, we, we operate very, very differently, yep. you know, but we can come to the same conclusion, which is ultimately the, the, you know, the end goal, mm-hmm. but you know, what's going to put you into more comfort Optimal state of mind, which essentially is just a lack of stress. I mean, that's how we define the zone. Yeah. So when we know these personality traits that are um, putting us into this optimal way of thinking, so again, you like you said, you like those, you know, small spots, and you probably like percentages. And yes, yes, um, yes. I mean, you give me that stuff, dude. I'm I'm just sitting here like, oh my god,
0: like, <laughs> like what the hell does that mean? <laughs> like, okay, I mean, honestly, I have to to I, get it there.
1: <laughs> I I can I can tell you to be honest, I. I probably played my best golf without a rangefinder, just stepping off plates. And it's funny because one of the college teams I help, um, the coach is exactly like me is an ENFP and he's tries to get his players to do that. Um, and I was, this is kind of what helped um, the team get moving. I don't like really to take all the credit, but, um, not, what is it? Six out of the seven girls are all STJs. And I'm like, dude, huh. they need this range. Gonna fly. They need precision. Yeah. yeah. Yep. You know so they're like you right they need that that's what gives them comfort is those analytics the precision uh, and I was like there's one player on that team that would probably do okay with that but those other girls man they they need you know they need the precision that's just how they're wired and yeah. again it's like he calls it robot golf and I'm like well it's just because it's completely opposite of what we do.
0: Right. Yeah I, I used to be exactly that like I used to keep a spreadsheet. This is how much this is this is why I played golf instead of talk to girls. Uh, I used to keep a spreadsheet in high school of seventy five percent, hundred percent, hundred and ten percent for all my clubs, and yeah. and I would average it out weekly. And that was just like like all right, you know, this is about like I've seen like plus two or plus five on these clubs, and I just I had to have I I love data naturally, but I like I operate very positionally. I I was taught that way, and thankfully that. Like that's where it clicked for me. Is I had a, co- a swing coach that was very much like, all right, get to here, club goes up, get to here, club comes down, and that that clicked for me. Uh, one last question here before uh, I let you go, Kyle. And it's kind of going back to like what you said of intentionally putting yourself in stress so you can kind of learn how to handle it. I'm a big proponent of that. Uh, you know, for me to to learn how to play under pressure you have to learn how to practice under pressure and with with this whole personality type aspect being brought into it and I'm like all of this is just kind of flowing through my head on the fly would it make sense to or I guess I should ask it a better way like how frequently should we intentionally put ourselves in stress in like a given practice round
1: um i mean as much as possible because I mean, essentially every, every level up. So, I mean, on the golf course is more stressed than practice right. tournaments is more stressed than on the golf course. So, I mean, the more we can actually practice in those settings, it's more realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's why, you know, and it, the truth is we can't simulate the same amount of stresses, especially like competition. Yep. You just can't yep. like even playing buddies for money is not going to do it because there's not that same level of judgment from more of a bigger platform. Right. And that's what people really don't understand is, when you put your name on a leaderboard, a tournament you're open to scrutiny. Oh yeah. Right. I mean, essentially it's like public speaking in a nature. So people are always going to have a different level of stress. That's just hard to replicate, but you know, the simplest thing I do is I just create um, challenges and games through practice um, and just keep upping the goal. Uh, simple one is I always start people with 30 made putts from three to five feet, random. Um, and I give, depending on their level, I'll give them a certain amount of misses. So like elite players, I'll give them three misses. So essentially every 10 makes you get a miss. And if you miss your fourth, you restart, you know, and if you can do that, then I give you two misses. If you can do it, then two misses. I up at the 40. So I just keep up in the goal to kind of piss them off, frankly.
0: Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And I tell people,
1: if you're not, if you're not a little upset and a little struggling in your practice, then it's not good enough. And I equate it to, you know, working out you know, I think it's so funny that somebody will go to a workout and be having to be dragged out in the floor because they're so exhausted and tired and beat up. And they're like, Oh, it's such a good workout. But mm-hmm. when golfers struggle at all in practice, they're like, <laughs> it's Oh the my same God, thing. <laughs> yeah, right? it is the same thing. Yeah. But we give ourselves a pseudo confidence of, you know, I'm going to hit 40 balls and 20 of them are good. And like, look how good I hit it on the range. You know, when do you really? Yeah. And is there actually any kind of game like situation? I mean, yesterday I had a, an elite girl, um, an eighth grader out. And I mean, every time I'm having her just step back, I'm like, you don't need to do your full process, but at least walk into the ball. Like you do when you play, you don't step in directly from the side when you play. So how's that even real? And she's, Oh, you know, I'm like, really? (laughs) Is that, is that tedious?
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: It's a step back. No, she's just 13 because I have a yeah. 12
0: year old and I know how that works, yeah.
1: <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's, it's building those habits. And I mean, one of the simplest things I just try to get people to do, I'm sure you probably do too, is I just don't want to tip a bucket over. Oh yes. Buy yep. Bu- it's gotta be I at least don't 20 don't feet behind up. you. And you can only grab yeah, one at a time. Walk and get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like, I, I call it like basketball. I say, you got to take it back. So I'll have some sort of rope or line or something where to hit another sure. shot, you got to either go get the ball or you got to walk down that line and reset. Yeah. Um, I just that don't well, and that's very similar to,
0: yeah, that's real similar to like think box play box stuff. It's like, all right, you yeah. don't have to you don't have to go through the full think box, but you have to remember, you know, like how we transition from it. Yeah, you know, that's mm. that's the idea for me. Uh, wow, this is this has been a really really eye opening conversation, Kyle. I really really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, I'm gonna kind of kick it back to you for. Any last thoughts, words? I mean, most of my audience is coming from like that kind of weekend golfer standpoint where they're, you know, they're struggling to get that, you know, that first score in the eighties or something like that. Uh, any last words of advice for the audience in that realm?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just encourage them. This is arguably more important for you than it is the elite player. Yes. I mean, it really is. And I think that so
0: much more fat to, to trim. It.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk mental game too, um, you know, I always kind of alluded to it as some like
0: meditating
1: and, you know, some, Mm -hmm. just a weird, some woo-woo Zen
0: stuff. Yeah.
1: It's really not though. It's just understanding how you're wired to think, you know, not asking you to do any crazy, you know, weird things out there, but it's just understanding like, look, this is how you're wired to communicate. This is how you're wired to work on your swing and think about your swing and see targets. I mean, when they can have that, it saves so much time. Um, and I think that's why that's even more important because I, I get it. It's somebody who has kids and is busy all the time. Like, I hardly ever play, but I can still go play pretty well because I know still how to think. I mean, yep. I, I literally play like probably four times a year at this point. But out of those four, it's usually pretty good. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, when I started to play against a, one of the clubs I was at a few years ago, I was like, I'm going to make a point to play the members in a money game just to just to compete again. And as soon as I went out there, I started playing terrible because I got into all that stuff. You know, as soon as there was a little stress on there, I started questioning my swing. I was like, oh my God, I have a practice. I don't know where my swing's at. And one day I was out there, I was like, gosh, I'm just going to hit my fade. <laughs> like, yeah. And I went out there and started playing well again. I just hit my fade all day. Like, that's all I cared about. So, I mean, it, it works on, on, on every level. Um, and again, it is very important for the amateurs to understand these things because it can help them understand what information to be looking at. So even if they're the ones on YouTube searching, like, you know, what coaches might be worth watching? You know, are you—is it worth watching more of the technical positional coach, or is it worth watching somebody who's a little more of the feeler? To you know, th- all of these things just can help create a quicker blueprint to you know those goals you're trying to get to.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you again, Kyle. Uh, for anyone out there listening, you can get more information at MentalGolfType.com. I'll put that link in the description of the episode. So you can just click on over there. And uh, aside from that, you have your own podcast, don't you?
1: We do. Um, we just finished off a season two. We're not um, as active with it. Um, we're going to do a season three, but it's, we do it kind of more in chunks as we're rolling out a lot of the other stuff, but we do have two full seasons out uh, some interview style with players using it. Um, got a couple of the professionals including Austin trust. Jordan Hahn, Um, And then we have just uh, a lot of episodes on, you know, the stuff we talked about, how it applies. Um, So we do, that's called the go low show. And there's some, some definitely good actionable, useful stuff for people on there too. They're just quick 25 minute episodes. Um, But uh, yeah, we got really good feedback with that. So hoping, hoping to bring out a season three soon uh, when, when, you know, the time (laughs) allows, but uh, as, as I'm sure, you know, that's, there's a lot of things to do.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Kyle. I really appreciate your time. Go check out mentalgolftype.com. Go check out the Go Low Show. I'll link both those in the description. And hey, everybody, if you do those two, I'm sure I will be catching you in the short grass. Cheers, everybody. Thanks, Mari. Alright, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par slash successcom and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of the